Hey guys, it's Sophia here with another episode of Girl Boss Radio. This week, we're joined by Tess Holliday, the model, author, and body positive activist. But first, I want to talk about good sleep. Mm. Oh man, Ooh. sleep is such an issue. It's been really cold in LA. Yes. And oh my God, my sheets have been my savior. Uh, yeah. And sheets and moisturizer, I think, because without the moisturizer, it doesn't matter how nice your sheets are. They mm. like, they feel kind of harsh, but you know what sheets aren't harsh? What? Parachute. Mm-hmm. You know why they're great? Parachute Home makes the softest sheets, bath towels, bath robes, and they have the cutest little showroom in Venice. They do. Oh, yeah. There's no harmful chemicals and synthetics, so you know you're not, your body, which is your your, mm-hmm. your skin, your largest organ, is not soaking up gnarly stuff, and they look really good. They don't have, like, the weird doodads that Bed Bath & Beyond sheets have on them. Yeah. Um, you won't look like you're at your aunt's house. Uh, super chic, super affordable, and they last. They only get softer after washing. So spend more time in bed. Visit ParachuteHome.com slash GirlBoss for free shipping and returns on Parachute's very comfortable bedding and bath linens. That's ParachuteHome, P-A-R-A-C-H-U-T-E H-O-M-E dot com slash girlboss for free shipping and returns. And they offer a 60-night trial, so if you don't love it, just send it back. Success. It's such a complicated idea, and yet for so long, we've all collectively subscribed to a single definition of the word, which was likely given to us by a white-haired dude somewhere in a boardroom in the 1960s. And there's nothing wrong with that definition, with the notion of climbing a corporate ladder with a singular focus. But it's time to make space for a few other definitions, for side hustles and well-being and failing forward, and for the idea that success is a wild ride, not the destination at the end of it. Join me for a journey into the lives of women who are redefining success and paving the way for others with grit and grace. I'm Sophia Amoruso, the founder and CEO of Girlboss Media, and this is Girlboss Radio. Model, author, and activist Tess Holliday always had dreams of being a model, dreams she pushed to achieve even when it seemed impossible. Tess grew up surrounded and plagued by domestic violence, and on top of that, she was bullied relentlessly in school. My dad was abusive verbally and physically basically my entire life. After being discovered by a profile she created on a website for potential models, Tess auditioned and was cast as the face of the A&E show Heavy. From there, she built a strong following on social media. She's now signed to a major modeling agency, Milk, and is working on campaigns for national and international brands. Brands like Benefit, Dermalogica, JCPenney, Torrid, and H&M. And there's still people that don't like me for whatever reasons, but I know that there are way more people that are benefiting from what I'm doing and what I'm saying than people that don't like me. Tess is a voice for the millions of women in this country that have been cast aside and disrespected for failing to fit into the societal standards and expectations of what our bodies should look like. And she's using her voice to spread messages of body positivity everywhere. I realized when I created After Beauty Standards that My hangups about my body were mine, but I can't speak for, you know, the trans community. I can't speak for people of color and the stuff that they deal with and and just in general marginalized groups. And so I wanted to hear more about 
what those people are going through and what they find makes them feel good and how they get through each day. Tess will be joining us today to talk about her autobiography, The Not-So-Subtle Art of Being a Fat Girl, and about the hashtag F Your Beauty Standards movement she created. But first, let's turn our attention over here to my co-host, Maggie Renshaw. Hey! Welcome, Maggie. Yay! Yay. So... What's going on at Girl Boss this week? Oh boy, we've got some good stuff. We just introduced the help desk. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. The help desk is uh, something we're doing with Chromebooks. Mm-hmm. And yep. it's a series of videos that are how-tos, basically courses that we're giving away for free. And the URL is actually girlboss.studio. And they're really, really helpful courses about everything from using data to writing a press release to photo editing and graphic design. And they're hosted by this really cool girl. Yeah, Puno. Yeah. She has so much energy. She's cool. She She's is. a badass girl. They're not your normal yeah. like webinars. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we actually, she gets firsthand pointers from the Girl Boss team, which is cool. So Megan, our audience development gal, our art director, Chloe, also get a little say in there. So it's really personalized and custom to Girl Boss. Really good mm-hmm. advice. So check it out at girlboss.studio. Yeah. What else is going on? It's Oscars weekend. Mm-hmm. Oscars, uh, have you seen any Are you movies? watching? Are you excited? Oh my God, I can't wait. Are you having like a party at your house? Always. Yeah. Literally, the ballots are in. Oh my gosh, we, really? Yeah, we wow. <laughs> I'm a nerd. That's amazing. What are you rooting for? God, I love to get out. I didn't see you it. You didn't see it. Which ones have you seen? I was the dummy who like went and saw Star Wars when I could have seen like all the amazing. I love Star Wars. Don't get me wrong, but like there's so many Oscar noms to go see. Oh and my God. Too many that. movies. So many movies. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, actually, I just learned this. Meryl Streep is nominated again. She's been nominated. 21 times in her lifetime. Oh my God. Do you think we can get her for the Girl Boss Rally? Let's do it. Okay, you guys, everyone who's listening, tweet Meryl Streep. And while you're at it, tweet Oprah. Mm-hmm. We want we want them at we the Girl Boss Rally. Speaking of the Girl Boss Rally, tickets are still on sale mm-hmm. for our LA rally, conference, whatever you want to call it. We have amazing women like Gwyneth Paltrow, Bazoma St. John, who's the chief brand officer at Uber, Jen Gotch, who we love, who we're actually cooking something pretty exciting Ooh. up with. Shh, very much under wraps. And we'll be announcing more speakers in the coming weeks. So visit girlbossrally.com to register. And as always... Hang out with us on girlboss.com. There's lots of great content. We're planning some exciting changes on the site in the coming weeks. And thank you, as always, for supporting Girlboss Radio and everything that we do means the world. Now let's get to model, author, and body positive activist Tess Holliday. You were born in Mississippi. I was born in Mississippi. What was that like? I really spent a lot of time trying to escape like how awful it was, but I but now looking back, I really appreciate it. I it was very oppressive because I never really felt like I fit in and we didn't have like access to like certain TV programming and internet because it was filtered because I lived in the Bible Belt. And so like I remember when I moved to Seattle when I was 18 and I finally like I found a group of rockabilly people and I was like, this is who I identify with. Like I always loved all of the stuff and like I didn't even know that like there was a group of people that were like me Mm -hmm. because 
my whole life, people told me that I was, you know, a freak and or my mom would say it's a phase you'll grow out of it and she supported me but Seattle's a good place was a good place to go I think at that time if you were weird totally because I moved there when I was 18 okay (laughs) I moved to Olympia and then Seattle and it's a yeah it's a good there's there were some real like bonafide weirdos there it was and some of my best memories are from Seattle it's completely different now but I it it was the place that kind of nurtured me but I but yeah Mississippi I, there was just so much oppression all around that I go home and I'm glad I see my family, but I don't think that I could live there. And your parents split up when you were how old? My parents got, my parents separated when I was eight. Um, We were living in North Carolina. So by law, you had to separate for a year and a half before they would grant you a marriage. I mean, a a divorce, because they wanted to make sure that you that's what you wanted. It's kind of like you're just in like (laughs) purgatory, really, for a year and a half. So. So, yeah, my parents split up and then my mom started dating this guy shortly after that was not the best person for her. Tess had a challenging childhood punctuated by traumatic events in her family life. When she was just nine years old, Tess's mother was left disabled after being shot in the head by her boyfriend. Me and my brother were visiting my dad for the summer. We were staying with my dad and his girlfriend. And my mom worked at a jewelry store in North Carolina. And she was getting ready to go to work that day. And my soon-to-be stepdad worked across the street at Furniture Factory, and he said, I'm not feeling good. I'm not going to work today. So she was going down the hallway into our bathroom, and she saw him coming through our door, uh, our front door with a gun that he had purchased for her safety, I say say in quotations, Uh. for her car. And she ran into the bathroom and closed the door and tried to lock it. And he came in and he told her to get into the bathtub and she thought that he was going to shoot himself. And all of a sudden, my mom said she heard ringing in her ears. And so he shot her twice in the head and then he went to work and came home six hours later and found her, as he said. And my mom was basically she was in a drug induced coma for a month and they said that she would never walk or talk again. I was I was nine turning 10, like three weeks after it happened. And for a long time, that part of my life was a blur because my family was keeping a lot from me. And there were like a lot of things that they were afraid that maybe I didn't need to know. But really long story short, my mom uh, recovered as much as she could. She is partially paralyzed on her right side. She still has bullet fragments in her head. And she learned how to walk and talk again. She has a ton of of ailments that come with what happened to her. And she's permanently disabled. You guys have a pretty good relationship? We do. We're really close. I mean, unfortunately, my mom, after that relationship, went on to marry another abusive person. And... She, I can't go to her for like relationship advice. Like I know what I can and can't ask my mom. Like yeah. I can't be like, mom, what do you think about like this or whatever? But she's, she's the only person growing up that ever told me whatever I wanted to do was possible. And she's the reason that I've made it, that I pushed to make it so far. How long did this guy parade around as like, oh, I discovered 
that this happened before it became clear that he was responsible for Oh, so he shooting. was like at her bedside in the hospital. And when my mom woke up, he was sitting beside her and she couldn't talk, but she could like motion that it was him. And so they took him in custody, but he only served 22 months in jail for assault with a deadly weapon. So he's actually out and free and roaming around. Last question about this, because I know this is not what we want to focus on. I'm no, just so okay. curious. What was his motivation? Did, did, was that ever revealed? He was involved with people that weren't that great involving drugs. And my mom was not aware of what was going on. And basically, he was told to get rid of my mom because he thought that my mom knew too much. Wow. So... Yeah, I actually didn't find that out until like two years ago because wow. my mom didn't want to tell me. Wow. And how did that affect you in terms of, you know, your school? Like, did you know, I mean, your mom is recovering from an almost fatal shooting. And your dad, was he in the picture? My dad was abusive verbally and physically basically my entire life. So at this point we moved into, we moved from North Carolina to Mississippi. So I was born in Mississippi and then we moved all over the South. And then after my mom was shot, my grandparents moved me and my brother and my mom in basically their backyard, which is a cow pasture. And they bought us a trailer for like a couple hundred dollars. And we lived behind my grandparents and they helped care for her and they took her to physical therapy and uh, that was kind of our life and it was looking back I I definitely took for granted like how much my mom did for us but now like being older and being around the age I'm 32 and so when I turned 30 I remember thinking like my mom didn't know if she was going to make it and she had two kids to raise and like I really felt for her and but she never made us feel like we weren't cared or loved yeah yeah and you became a mom pretty early I did I was actually the same age when I had my first son that my mom was when she had me so I was 20 when I had my first son Riley and so he was like my partner in crime, I had him in Mississippi. I moved from Seattle to Mississippi to have him so that my mom could, like, give me emotional support. So he's, he's what, like 12 now? He's 12. And then I have a 20-month-old who oh. is, like, if he was here, he would be destroying this entire room right now. Yeah, they're kind of, they get mobile at that age, right? They, like, move oh, around? Oh, yeah. Like, he, <laughs> he, like, runs. He bangs his head into walls when he doesn't get what he wants. Like, he's, like... A monster. How different is it? Is it raising a kid at twenty versus you're in your early thirties? That's got to be. Just... It's like so much more rewarding. Like I, it's hard because I'm sex positive and I believe that like you should have sex as long as you're being safe about it and as long as it's you know you're consenting and 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 all of that. As long as you feel safe and and good, go for it. But I wish when I was younger someone would have told me how hard it was and I like single moms like it's so hard to just be a single mom and to have a kid so young and I wish 
like I remember when I had him, I was like, oh, it's fine. I'm 20. Like most of my friends have three kids by now (laughs) being from Mississippi. Like Mm -hmm. I can do this. And like I missed out on all of the stuff that I enjoy now about having my 20 month old because I was just in survival mode. So I was like trying to figure out what I wanted to do with my life. I was still a kid. And so I'm able to enjoy those moments so much more than I did when I was 20 because I know myself. In her autobiography, The Not-So-Subtle Art of Being a Fat Girl, Tess goes into great detail about some of the moments that defined her childhood. I asked her to tell us about those formative teenage years. I dropped out of high school and then got my GED, which was very unpopular. My dad... And I quote, told me that I was a a lesbian trailer trash whore for dropping out of school and that I could flip burgers for the rest of my life. That's all I could hope for. I think my parents used the flipping burgers thing from time to time. My first job was at Subway. Oh, my God. I worked at Subway. And I saw yours was at Walmart. (laughs) Yeah. Well, my first one was actually at a day spa called Southern Southern Styles Day Spa. But it was not a day spa. It was in a strip mall. And (laughs) there was tanning beds. And, like, they did, like, the wet sets for, like, my grandma still goes there, basically, like, where they curl your hair. Oh. You know, so, but I worked at Walmart. I worked in a portrait studio. I worked at Subway. I worked at Sonic. (laughs) I've had, I've had like, yeah, so many food industry jobs, but I, I had to drop out because my mom was basically going to the school every single day or calling and complaining, saying my daughter's being bullied. They're terrorizing her. My grades were awful. And they basically, the school administration just told me to like suck it up and that there was nothing they could do. Because the people that were picking on me were like star football players and star cheerleaders. And so my mom decided that I was too old to be homeschooled. So she pulled me out of school and it was like the best thing that she could have done for me. Yeah, I ended up leaving. I I homeschooled the last part of my sophomore year and all of my senior year. And it was the only reason I got. I got a diploma in the mail yeah. and I moved up before I graduated, but like that it's high school's not an environment for everybody. No. And it's funny you say that because I like, I know, you know, like writing a book, you never want to read the reviews, but like you're tempted because you want to know what people are saying about yeah. a book that you've written. And so I went down the Amazon rabbit hole of like re- reading my book reviews. I shouldn't have done it. But someone said, oh, you know, she advocates for people not staying in school because oh I was God. very clear that like if I would have stayed in school, A, I don't know if I would be sitting here today and and B, my grades would have just suffered and I probably wouldn't have graduated and I would have been stuck at, you know, trying to get my GED or doing all of that. People will find any reason to criticize, you know, yourself by the time you're in your like mid to late teens, you You know, the world doesn't really give you that much credit for knowing what's right for you. And, 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 you know, I, I think everyone thought I was like either lazy or just a loser or, you know, had ADD, which I probably do. But I was like, definitely, no, this is my environment only. And it was probably a combination of things that was making me really unhappy and angsty and unsuccessful in that environment. But um, it isn't for everybody. But do like, would I be stoked if I finished four years of college at some point? Like, yeah. Like, do I? Did you not go to college? I didn't. I didn't either. Because I didn't, I didn't know what I would go for 
to do because I wanted to do something creative. And how do you have a kid at 20 and go to school full time and pay for yourself? I like, literally people my, do it. But. Yeah. I have one friend that did it and I tell her she's younger than me. And I tell her all the time how much I admire her that she had a kid at 15 and she's a nurse now. Like, wow. but it can be done. But I just think like it's, you know, you have to do what's best for you. So dad, is he in the picture? My biological? Yeah. Or no. Your your baby daddy for ba- baby oh, number one? No. No. So my older son's biological father, I don't know where he is. He's somewhere. But his dad, who unofficially adopted him, John, who I talk about in my book, Aww. he was born and raised in East L.A., which he's the reason that I came to L.A. nine years ago to be with him. And it was literally one of the best things I could have ever done. Like our relationship didn't work out, but we co-parent Riley, my older son. I see him every single day. That's my so cool. My son's father, I see him every day. And uh, he, that's who my son calls dad. And you don't really find many guys like that, that, you know, we broke up when my son was five and we started dating when he was two and he was like, this is my son. And so really cool. Yeah, I'm really lucky. At five feet, five inches tall and a size 22 decorated with tattoos covering much of her body. She's not the woman you typically see on billboards and in magazines. Her interest in modeling was met with a lot of cold no's from agents and casting directors. But Tess was determined to change that. I used to joke that I told my mom when I grew up, I wanted to sit in front of the couch or I wanted to sit on the couch in front of the TV and eat Doritos. I was like, that's what I want to be when I grow up. And I told everyone that <laughs> now, I mean, I can just do that and like, you know, for fun. But uh, that was kind of like my life goal. And then it evolved into I wanted to become a doctor. And then I realized how much school it was. And I was like, it's not for me. No, thank you. So then vanity kicked in and I was like, <laughs> I'll just be a model. But everyone had told me I, I took nice photos. But looking back, I wish I had – I need to send you a photo after. I found photos where I did like a test shoot with our local photographer who did like family portraits. And I have on Bill Blass cowhide platforms um, I had like black ruched capri pants on and I had white Ooh. eyeliner and I had a haircut similar to yours, except I had bangs oh, and it no. like, but it like flipped. But I don't I, like, know how to feel about my haircut. No, it was cute. <laughs> I love your hair, but I had it like flipped out like on the sides and, um, glamour it was, but like all of my poses were like me lying on my side with, they were very like like senior portrait photos. Were you on Model Mayhem at some point? That's how I got found was on Model Mayhem. I also had a lot of really weird encounters on that site too. Yeah. Off of the 405 freeway in some guy's mom's house. And he was like, just get topless. My mom doesn't care. She's downstairs. So weird. So, um, but yeah, a casting director saw me on Model Mayhem. And that's how I basically got my first job, which is funny because everyone's like, do you suggest that site? And I'm like, absolutely not. I think Mm -hmm. I'm like one of the few people that I worked out for. Are there any sites today that you think are legitimate for either people who want to be a model or a photographer or creative? Like, are there, is there a marketplace today that's social media? Yeah. Like, I feel like that's like really like I'm, and maybe it's just me being bad and I'm not on like some professional sites. Like, I don't know if LinkedIn is still a thing or if people use it, but I think like 
you have so much power now on social media, like Instagram and especially like some people still use Tumblr. Like you can cultivate your own like what you want and it's your space. And like, I have friends that have beautiful Instagrams. They have 12,000 followers and one of them just shot for old Navy yesterday. Mm -hmm. Micro influencers are the thing. They are. Yeah. And so you have a really large following on social media, right? How is it like, how many people? I used to think I'm like not trying to downplay it, but now I look look at some of these YouTube makeup artists and I'm like, how do you have 20 million followers? And I, I've never even heard of you. Like it's mind blowing. I yeah. have one point, almost 1.6 on Instagram and then I have 1.7 on Facebook. I'm proud of We're it. We're speaking but in millions. I know I am. Okay. I am. <laughs> um, I'm very proud of it. And I am baffled every day that people even follow me yeah. or are interested so I want to return to social media, but how did, so, so you got discovered by a casting agent on Model Mayhem. Was that Milk Model Management? At what point did you get involved with your agency? My agency signed me, so my first modeling job was in 2010, and then my agency signed me in 2014. So I, from 2010 to 2014, I started like... I realized that people were really offended by seeing someone my size, like putting themselves out there. Like they were either really offended and it made them mad. And when they commented, a ton of people would comment, which meant engagement. And Uh this was before like Facebook and Instagram had monetized it and had algorithms and all of that. So for me, like it happened at a really great time because it was all organic. And I just started sharing like what it was like for me to be, you know, super short, super fat, tattooed and like trying to be taken seriously as being a model. And when my agency found me, they found me through Instagram and I had like 300,000 followers, I think. And they reached out to me and uh, my agent actually didn't even know that I had tattoos and she didn't know how short I was. How how short are you? Mm, well, on your card, five, five, <laughs> <laughs> me too, <laughs> but I'm not a model, <laughs> um, but you know, it's, uh, it was one of those things. Like she was like, you had like a great face and a great look and like, you know, she's like, you can model, but I had never been overseas. I had never had a client fly me anywhere until, until 2013, 14. So that's how I kind of that's when I feel like I started getting like actual experience. How important do you think your social media following has been to your career and how did you cultivate that? I think my social media is like part of the reason that I'm sitting here because people were really interested in like, you know, I mean, it was easy for brands. Brands were like, we like you as a model. We want to hire you. But also you have a built in fan base to buy our stuff that you're wearing. So for them, it was like a no brainer. And I felt and I still feel very fortunate. But how I've cultivated it is I have never partnered with a brand or taken a sponsored post or done anything that I wouldn't legitimately sell to a friend of mine. And it's hard. It's hard when, you know, you have brands coming to you saying like, we'll pay you $20,000 for teeth whitening. Uh-huh. And you're like, I know it doesn't work. I can't sell this to people. Uh-huh. And like, you really want $20,000. But, but to me, and I mean, and if people, I have friends that do it and like, that's their thing, but I just choose to to 
I choose to be as as transparent as possible and honest and share how I'm really feeling. And some people don't like it and some people do and that's fine. How important has your community on social media been to your development like as a model to your confidence to, you know, cause there's such, so much listening that you can do on social media. It's such a two way conversation. I was just asking my followers last night on Insta stories to DM me and tell me like, what do they want more of? Because I feel like I'm posting like a, a photo of some thing that a brand sent me for free and then just get like a bunch of unfollows. And it's like, not what they don't want to see. Like no, my, my stupid glamorous life, which is not, I mean, if you could see me right now, I, if you're <laughs> listening, I'm pretty much wearing pajamas. Yeah. What have you, like, how do you interact with them and what have you learned and how has that affected like how you feel about yourself and like how you think about your, it's a lot of questions, your opportunity in your career. I think that there's a lot of misconceptions about people on social media. Like, I know that people assume that I, and it's funny, people assume that I'm like super rich and have a glamorous lifestyle. But then when I think about it, I get like 10 packages a day delivered to my house of like free stuff because brands just want me to wear it. And like, you know, I do make more than most of my friends that I've had, like, you know, like childhood friends, you know, and I, and I get that, but I also try to be honest about the fact that it hasn't been easy getting here and it's still not easy. Like I definitely had a misconception that like once I got here in this moment that I would have it figured out and things would be easier and it just gets harder and it gets more complicated. And there's like, and then I feel like sometimes I'm like, what am I doing? So I try to talk about that with my followers, but sometimes I get people that are like, Oh, whatever. Like you have such a great life. Like don't complain, don't complain. And, And I think it's just, I just try to remind people that we're like, you never know what somebody is going through. And it's like, it's never going to be easy. And we, we all have different levels of struggles that we go through. And for some, like, you know, it can, it can hurt more than the little stuff. The topics in the book and the commentary on Tessa's social media accounts are things that many people might shy away from putting in the public consciousness. But Tess doesn't. She puts every detail out there, from her biggest mistakes to her triumphant successes, and she does it with the hope that others will find strength and inspiration to confront their own challenges. We're only halfway through our conversation with Tess, but before we go any further, let's talk about our partner, Stitch Fix. Okay, Katrina Lake is a badass. Oh my God, I love her. She IPO'd her company. They do over a billion dollars in revenue. And I remember when I was running Nasty Gal, people were like, Stitch Fix, did you hear about the startup? And I was like, I don't know, guys. I I think curation is like everything. And then we all know what happened in Nasty Gal. And there she is, IPOing her company for a billion dollars. So clearly, Stitch Fix is getting something right. And if you don't know what Stitch Fix is, it's really simple. You go online, you take a style profile quiz, and Stitch Fix will send you clothes, shoes, and accessories that are picked just for you. So your size, your lifestyle, your budget, and of course, what you'll like. So you get five items, you only pay for what you keep, 
and shipping is covered even for returns and exchanges. There's no subscription required. So go to stitchfix.com slash girlboss and you'll get 25% off when you keep all five items in your box. That's stitchfix.com slash girlboss to try Stitch Fix today. S-T-I-T-C-H-F-I-X dot com slash girlboss. You're never fully dressed without a smile, right? You're never fully dressed without a smile. Oh, that's from Annie, right? Mm-hmm. Speaking of smiles, we want to talk just a little bit about the cutest, best new electric toothbrush that packs just the right amount of vibrations into a slimmer design at a fraction of the cost of bulkier, bulkier traditional electric brushes. So little pulses guide you to change spots in your mouth and it like stops vibrating when you've brushed your teeth for the right amount of time so you don't have to worry about whether or not you've gotten a full brush in. And brilliant, Quip has a subscription plan because I didn't know you're supposed to replace your electric toothbrush head, but... After reading my first Quip ad, I was like, oh my gosh, I really need to replace my electric toothbrush head. And now I'm using Quip and I absolutely love it. Just for $5, you can get a new head every three months, including free shipping worldwide. I don't know how they afford that. I think actually Time Magazine just named it one of the best inventions of the year. Oh, Maggie with the facts. So Quip starts at just $25. And if you go to getquip.com slash girlboss right now, you'll get your first refill pack free with a Quip electric toothbrush. That's G-E-T Q-U-I-P dot com slash girlboss to get your first refill pack free. That's getquip.com slash girlboss. 